Good morning. It is Wednesday, May 19th. You're listening to the College Football Daily. My name is Trey Scott. I'm very excited to be joined right now by Greg Biggins, National Recruiting Analyst for 24-7 Sports. And it's a big day here. We've got the Class of 2023 Top 247 Update. Greg, I'm excited to talk about it. I'm in a really good mood right now, just in general with with college football and, and recruiting and, and all that stuff. I, I enjoyed in seeing life. the kickoff. Yeah, in life too. Life is I enjoy- good, right? Trey? I know. Congrats. I know. Is that Thank you, buddy. Get out of the bag. Do you want to break the news to the uh, world? Yeah. That- yeah, break it. Yeah, I had a, had a great marriage. <laughs> off the market? Great, off the market. Great marriage. Great honeymoon. Um, Was in the Keys. And nice. just, yeah, just really... Things are things are really looking up. Things are a lot better than last year. And I was, you know, thinking of you today when they they announced the kickoff times or like Clemson, Georgia. And I was like, man, Greg's gonna be watching two of his oh. California QB prodigies in that game. Two of my boys, absolutely. I, I love both. I know. And then I was like, okay, that's the perfect segue for what I want to talk to you about today. There's this this player in the class of 2023 who you texted me about a few weeks ago because we were giving a lot of love to Arch Manning and Malachi Nelson and Dante Moore. And you, you just, you said like, keep an eye on this kid, Nicholas Yamalavea, right? Like the guy you call Nico, the six foot five quarterback, a lot of West coast powers are after him. We are going to devote an entire podcast to him today, Greg, before we, we talk about like his recruitment and what specifically makes him special. My first question would be, and he's going to be in the top 25 when our rankings are announced later today. I saw he was tweeting are retweeting some some volleyball accolades. Like, let's talk about the volleyball in a second because it's giving me like shades of Chase Budinger. But why is it so important for you, you guys on the recruiting rankings council when a player has excelled in more than one sport? That's a great question, Trey. I, first off, can I just give you props for the Chase Budinger comment? Yes. I actually saw him play. I actually saw him playing beach volleyball not that long ago, and holy cow, that is a that is an elite guy jump and bang oh my gosh (laughs) obviously for us and hopefully you're not hearing the dog in the background but you know for us so much of what we do is based on the nfl draft and when we go back and study the draft it's filled with multi-sport athletes not just you know receivers and dbs linemen but quarterbacks a lot of those guys are guys that were very functional athletes in high school maybe they ran maybe they played basketball nico i actually saw his volleyball highlights as an eighth grader before i saw his football highlights i have a a buddy of mine who was the coach at Long Beach Poly where he was at as a freshman. And I just saw this kid who was already six, five long, long arms, just jumping and banging. And they were saying he's going to be our quarterback next year. Long story short, he's now at a different high school, but he is probably, they're saying a top 50 to top 35 recruit in volleyball for his grade. So just a guy who you look at him, and part of it's, you know, because the Polynesian nature that he is, that sounds funny. I don't know what the proper term is. Polynesian. He's Polynesian. I see Marcus Mariota. Like, I really do. I see it in his face. I see it in his body. I saw Marcus a lot in high school, and they were both super skinny, 6'5", and long, with big arms, and a little bit on the raw side. But I'll tell you what, Nico is a lot further along than, than Marcus was. I'm not going to go and predict that he's going to be a Heisman winner and top 10 pick or whatever like Marcus was. But I'm saying at that same stage... You know, he is a lot further along. People, you know, maybe forgot Marcus didn't play high school until his senior year. He wasn't a starter until his senior year. So Nico, is he had a really big sophomore year. I'm probably being way too long-winded right now. Played a little club volleyball. Then we had a five-game shortened spring season out here. He dominated there. Crazy touchdown-interception ratio. He's a big athlete. Trey, he can run. He can throw. Great kid. He's smart. He's cerebral. Been unbelievable at multiple off-season events. 
Saw him at the UA camp a couple of weeks ago. We locked him in, or not locked him in, invited him to the All-American Bowl shortly after. Mm-hmm. He's already been invited to the UA uh, this past weekend. He got invited to the Poly Bowl as well. So, I mean, guys just had an unbelievable last five, six months. Can you explain out on the West Coast, Greg, like what is the, what is the rest of the country's equivalent to the volleyball craze out there? Like, I think if you're, if I dropped you into you know, Tennessee, you'd be like, this kid plays volleyball. Um, <laughs> you know, like I've, I've heard enough about different players over the years doing that, but I'm also like, I've, I'm kind of absorbed sports intel like that. Like I would imagine Greg, it's, it's rather unusual, but still normal enough now to where you you're not blinking and it's, it's, you're accepting it as a dual sport, just like you would baseball or basketball. Yeah, no, I, I accept it. I still think it's, it's pretty rare, right? We have, we have T-Mac to Terrell McMillan, who's in the 2022 class, top five wide receiver. Who's also a big time volleyball player. What I'm trying, I'm trying to preach the gospel of track, Trey. I'm not even mm. joking. Like I've become, I've always liked track, but I've really become a big, big track guy where I'll, I'll go and watch a track meet just because, just because I can. And it's fun for me. My son runs track at, at a Juco college. And so in the, in the other parts of the world, Texas, man, it's all about track. And then obviously in the South, everybody can run in Florida, everybody can, can run and I'll be honest, Trey, I, I've been down on California football and the NFL draft is kind of showing that, that we're the last three or four years, you're seeing things kind of trending in, in, a, in a bad direction. You're not seeing as many five stars, you're not seeing as many guys in the top 100. And for me, I, I've gone out and said, I think number one, we're, we're lacking linemen, but we're also lacking that elite speed. And there's not enough people out here who want to do track. They want to do seven on seven, which is fine. I'm, I cover seven on seven, do your seven on seven, but not at the expense of doing something else that I think, again, it's, I call it functional football athleticism, whether that be playing basketball or that be, if you're throwing, you know, big guy wrestle, if you're a big guy for the shot discus, if you're an athlete, run track, play basketball, do soccer, all that stuff is so good for you, not just physically, but I think for your brain, it allows you to not get burnout when you go and play your sport year round. Now you go back to fall camp or spring football and you're refreshed because you haven't been playing football for 12 months out of the year. So I'm trying like heck to get people to really understand how valuable track is. And uh, I think other parts of the country, Trey, like you kind of asked that question, what is the equivalent? You know, other parts of the country, man, especially in Texas, like I'm looking at, you know, Gabe will send me the times of, you know, the guy, J. Michael Sturdivant, who's going to Cal, finished last with a 10-3-9 in that would have been not just the best time this year, but probably the best time in California the last two or three years. And that was ninth mm. out there. And yeah, there was a, head, a heavy win. I don't care, dude. You're running 10 3 9, that, that's really, really fast. So just the lack of speed out here and multi sport athletes is kind of, I'll be honest, it's, it's, kind of, uh, it's kind of bothering me. Has it always been that way out there, though? And no. you've, been doing this, no. you've been doing this for so long. I'm thinking of like, I don't know, maybe the Anthony Tom. Like, I, I'm just thinking, like, it feels like that has not always been the case, Greg, that, that, yeah. that back in the day, players weren't so, weren't, weren't so just stuck to football. I just had a conversation before that. So I was a little bit late talking to you today. I was had a, talking to an old buddy of mine who used to coach at Inglewood. And we were literally talking about when we first started and just like, even going back 10, 15 years ago, like, where are the Curtis Conways? Like back in the day, like I covered, you know, in my student sports days, we used to cover the state track meet and it would be all football guys. So I'm not sure what happened or, or why kids decided to stop running. And I, I want to say the easy, easy answer would be, oh, because everyone wants to do seven on seven now in the spring instead of doing track. But I, I, I don't know, maybe it's more than that. I do know a lot of kids view seven on seven almost equal with football. Like I'll hear people say, oh, man, I can't wait till football's over. So I can go do seven on seven. And I'm just like, dude, you need to chill out a little bit. I love seven on seven too. I, I love a lot of, you know, a lot of what goes on there. There is some good about it. You're going to get some good training. There's good competition and there's some of these guys are, are good for you. 
but not at the expense of not doing anything else other than just football, football, football. You know, you talk to college coaches, they love that verified track data. And especially, you know, with the pandemic and, you know, no summer camps and out here in California, no football at all. Man, I'm, I'm like, you go out and bust out a 10-8, that looks really, really good on your resume over, hey, uh, I just took third place at the pylon tournament. You know, you got to go run, man. You got to show that you, you know, you kind of have those verified times. And so I'm working on my entry. I'm, I'm <laughs> definitely preaching that gospel and trying to hopefully I can get more kids to, I mean, I give myself credit for Damani Jackson, who didn't want to run last year. I'm like, dude, you got to run. You're so fast. And you, you just, you wake up at a, you wake up out of bed and, and run a great time. And his second meet ever, he went 10, seven, eight. And then obviously we had COVID and no, no more track. And this year he went 10, five, one, and then hurt his hamstring. So I think there's value in it. And um, hopefully it keeps up. I think this year more than ever, we're seeing more football players doing it. And I, I hope it keeps up. Yeah, no, it feels like, in this day and age, if you're not running track, you're getting docked unless you're like this, you know, prodigious, you know, six foot five quarterback, um, who doesn't really need to do anything else. When you look at, at Nico Yamalavea in the context of the rest of the elite quarterbacks in the class of 2023, Arch Manning, Malachi Nelson, Dante Moore, Nico's number four, plenty of upward mobility. What does he do that maybe the others don't? Tell me a little bit about him compared to all those other guys. I think his athleticism is a little different. He's obviously a lot taller than all of them. You know, the other other guys are 6'2", 6'3". Arch runs well. But I would say of that group, I think probably arm strength would go to Nico and athleticism would go to Nico. Those are two pretty, you know, pretty good things, right? Now, I also think he's probably the most most raw among those four. Not a knock. I just don't think he's been playing as much football as those other guys. And if it's, you know, third and eight and you needed – Someone to make that key throw for a first down in a, in a two minute drill, you know, you, you might go Malachi or Arch. You know, Dante is really special too. But I, I think the upside with Nico is that, you know, he hasn't even come close to reaching his ceiling. Like he's got another huge jump to go. And his current coach, Kevin Pearson, coached Bryce Young his first two years at Cathedral before Bryce went over to Modern Day. And obviously he loved Bryce. But he said he thinks Nico has that same ceiling, that same upside. And, and my first question is always about a quarterback. Can he process? Is he smart? Does he get it? Can he go out there and can he read a defense? Can he pick up a playbook? Because every guy, I, I, you know, I do my own self-scouting, Trey, and every guy I've missed on from a quarterback standpoint, almost every time it, it's because I overvalued the physical tools and undervalued the fact that the guy couldn't read a book to save his life, right? I just That to me is so important in terms of being a great quarterback, you got to be able to get to that line of scrimmage and change the protection. See a blitz coming. See a coverage. We got to do this, this. There's so much that goes into being a quarterback other than just throwing the football really well, right? You got to have that, that mental capacity. That's why I say, you got, can you process that information really, really, really quick in two and a half seconds? And so, and I've missed on a lot of guys because I, I thought they could and they couldn't. And uh, long story short, his coach, Kevin Pearson, said yes. Like, Nico checks that, that box off. He is extremely bright, extremely intelligent. So you, you kind of combine that with, with the physical tools. Like I said, the, the big arm, the escapability, he loves football. He's a very charismatic kid. He's a great teammate and natural leader. He can roll out right, left, he'll take off and run. I mean, you, you watch some of his tape, you literally think you're watching a, a young Marcus Mariota. I mean, he's just all arms and legs. He's super thin right now, but I mean, he's Paul Nation, so he's going to have no problem adding weight. But he, he's, he's a guy who, again, he is good now, but like, I think he's got so much more room for growth and that, that's kind of exciting for me. Well, it will end on the, uh, the, the recruitment question, Greg, and I, maybe it's too early. I don't know. I know Malachi Nelson, the jewel of the, of the class out there in California is down to pretty much Oklahoma and Clemson, uh, as you've you know, been alluding to and reporting. So that stings. 
for a USC or a UCLA, which we've been talking about for a few years now. We got to keep these <laughs> elite quarterbacks at home. What about Nico? You know, ironically, so USC offered Nico, and I think that's, you know, we've talked about this before. Maybe me and you didn't. Maybe I talked about it with Blair, but, but that actually is kind of where things went south with, with Malachi Nelson. Nelson was a, an SC lane until they offered another quarterback, which happened to be Nico. So right now, believe it or not, they would they need him badly. I think UCLA, if signing day was today, might actually be the team to beat for Nico. They were the first guy, first school on him said, hey, we're not going to offer anyone else but you. You're our guy. And I think that means a lot. Now, he comes from, you know, a lot of people in that family are, are big USC supporters. And so I think USC will be tough to beat. I think we'll know how good he is in, in, in a couple of weeks, Trey. In terms of June, he's going to camp at Ohio State, Clemson, Alabama. And I think one other school. Might just be those three. He's going to visit Georgia, who's already offered. But he's going boom, boom, boom. Clemson camp, Ohio State camp, Alabama camp. If he walks away... With a couple of offers. And honestly, for me, he's a no brainer. Like, I don't know how he doesn't camp because he's a camp guy. I mean, he's a guy you look at at a camp and and he's going to wow you in that setting just because of his arm strength and he's accurate and he can throw on the run and he can do all those drills that they're going to ask him to do. And and he'll he'll check off the, the personality box for all of them. Yes, sir. No, sir. So if he walks away with a couple of those offers, I know Clemson would be huge for him. And I know Ohio State would be huge for him. And Alabama obviously would be huge for him. And he loves Georgia. Like I mentioned them, he's going to visit there. They've already have offered. So I think all those schools will definitely give him a lot to think about locally. SC and UCLA are trying hard to keep him. So we'll, we'll see if it's another Bryce DJ where, you know, those out-of-state schools kind of come in and swoop the SoCal kid or if one of those two LA schools can, can hold on to him. Well, if you're a UCLA fan or like in the, recruiting operations office and you're listening to this podcast i hope that when he comes by westwood you've just got chip kelly and marcus mariota clips just running throughout the facility right like that's like that's got to be their pitch i mean they, they've def- they're definitely selling him on that right and it's funny oregon is benefiting in a big way right now by kids who grew up watching chip kelly so it, it's kind of funny oregon's benefiting more from chip kelly than ucla is benefiting from chip kelly from a recruiting standpoint so no that is the pitch every time you talk to nico and you kind of mention you even mentioned marcus's name uh, he's like yeah you know what chip, chip t- told me that i kind of remind him of marcus and by the way yeah he coached marcus and by the way marcus won a heisman so that is a big pitch the fact that they don't really have you know a deep quarterback room the fact that if he wanted to play both, well, I don't think he does, but UCLA does have a, a world-class volleyball program. They're offering that too. Honestly, I think they're going to probably say, hey, Mar- you come. I always call them Marcus. Nico, you come, and we won't even take a 22 or a 23 kid. We'll just take you. I think that's something that I w- won't be shocked if that said to him. So UCLA is definitely trying. But again, man, USC, he's got some family ties there, and, and it's hard to say no if you're a kid to Clemson or Ohio State or Alabama which with their track record for quarterbacks and for winning. So it'll be really interesting. You know, Malachi is going to commit in July. I want to say July 18th. That's his parents' anniversary. I'm not sure what the time frame is for Arch or for Dante. I asked Nico what his time frame is, and he doesn't really have one. Like, he's still at the early stages. So I could see him playing his junior year out. Whereas other kids, I could see them doing something before their junior season. So we'll, we'll see. Exciting talent. I love hearing these stories about players just kind of coming out of nowhere compared to an Arch Manning who we've, we've known about for a few years now. And this is, yeah, it's, I can't wait to, to track what happens for, uh, for old Nico. Greg Biggins, we appreciate you joining us. Follow him on Twitter at Greg Biggins. I'm sure you're excited to get this 2023 Top 247 release out later on Wednesday morning, 11 a.m. Central. 12 Eastern. I can't do the math in my head on Greg. Your, your Pacific time, that would be 9 a.m. Appreciate you joining us. 
Yeah, Always. no, I, and I, I can't do it either. I, I can't do math. So I, I do like talking about a young, prodigious Marcus Mariota clone quarterback. So our producer is Lance Glenn. My name's Trey Scott. We'll talk to you all on Thursday for the next edition of the College Football Daily.